Welcome back to It's Not Academic, the podcast. I'm Rosanna Tambury. Enrollment rates at Canadian universities and colleges have gone up considerably over the past two decades. That's the good news. But for a whole host of reasons, not all students who enroll in a degree or a diploma program successfully complete it. Post-secondary institutions have started to turn their attention to boosting retention rates. They offer a variety of programs and services to support students, like transition and orientation programs for first-year students, mentoring programs, and academic support classes. Since 2012, Mohawk College has teamed up with the Education Policy Research Initiative to test and evaluate strategies aimed at improving student retention. In today's episode, we look at what Mohawk has learned and how the research has influenced the way the college supports its students. Uh, My name is Tim Fricker. I'm the Dean of Students at Mohawk College. And Mohawk College is located in Hamilton, Ontario. We have three campuses, three main campuses, I should say. Um, One on the mountain, one is our Institute of Applied Health Sciences uh, at McMaster, and another is our Stony Creek campus, now the Marshall School of um, uh, Apprenticeship and Skilled Trades in Stony Creek. Since 2012, Mohawk has worked closely with EPRI to assess different strategies aimed at improving student retention and student success. So why is Mohawk putting so much effort into looking at this? Are retention rates a problem at post-secondary institutions? Um, I wouldn't say retention rates are a problem, but I think it's an important issue that all administrators in higher education would acknowledge we can do better at. Uh, and need to do better at and certainly government has signaled that that is a a metric that we should be paying attention to um, in the long term so um, those would be some of the the reasons but just I think in terms of the way we think about our work at least in student affairs and in my role is it's the right thing to do we want to help students succeed and retention is a good indicator of that it's not the only indicator of that uh, there's many more, uh, but retention is, is one way to get started at, uh, in that process. And what have you found out? Why do students drop out? What are some of the reasons for that? What I've learned about studying student success and studying retention is that it's really complicated. And, and we have to remember the individual and what's going on in the individual. But we also have to understand that certain populations of students... Uh, the factors are going to be different for them. So there's no silver bullet, one-size-fits-all solution, uh, and there's no one explanation for retention. What we've learned through a lot of our research are that there are a few good predictors of student success or predictors of leaving rates or whatnot Mm -hmm. um, that we can uh, zero in on when we're doing our work, right? High school GPA is a good example. First-term GPA is a good example. Um, there's certainly differences in uh, the rates of, of retention for men versus women. Um, the program of study that a student is in um, certainly is an indicator, uh, depending on, on uh, what kind of program they're in. So there's many factors we can look at. We've also found things like educational commitment and career clarity to be uh, important factors as well. And how does this information help you put together strategies that can improve those retention rates? Well, all of it is important. And so what I've learned is the best strategies are those that are targeted specifically to uh, the populations that help. So one of the projects that we 
we published with, with HECO not that long ago was this online writing exercise that helps students set goals, uh, future authoring. And we learned that this intervention had a big impact on our men and had a big impact on students who had uh, lower incoming high school GPAs. Those that we would have traditionally acknowledged to be at-risk students academically. And so this intervention made a big difference for them. So while um, it could be a powerful intervention and a good exercise for everybody, if we were to really zero in on and put extra effort into getting more of that group of students to, um, to participate in that activity, we could really make a, a bigger difference for them. So that's one example of ways that we might target our interventions to the students that need it the most. Mm-hmm. And you also did another study that looked at uh, group advising versus one-on-one advising. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. And so that one was, I have to say, it, it, there's some surprising results in that. And I think it'll be exciting for people to read uh, when it does come out. Um, but the, what we did was take the, the theory and practice of what was traditionally called in literature as intrusive advising, and I think it's more commonly and more aptly named proactive advising, and it kind of has two pieces to it. One is the, the proactive outreach, meaning we're calling students and we were um, emailing students multiple times in the lead up to um, their first semester, and we invited them in to, um, to advising to meet with what we call our student success advisor, and many call just simply academic advisors. Um, And so we did this proactive outreach, and then we had students come in uh, for either one-on-one advising or a group advising. The content and the delivery was very similar. Uh, The only difference was some of the peer interaction that might have occurred uh, as part of that. So it was a randomized control trial. There was a group that just received new advising information, um, but did not get invited to come in. And then there was the, um, the group and the one-on-one advising. And we found that group advising had a, had a significant impact on, on retention rates in that first term. I think the average was around 2.4 percentage points um, was, the, uh, was the improvement uh, in retention, which is about a 20% relative change. Um, so that was a big difference. And so we've now, this summer, we've done full outreach to every incoming student using a very similar methodology with some new messaging. Um, everything is group advising and we're making it available. And it hasn't been just the Dean of Students office doing it. It's been in partnership with marketing to help us with the materials. It's been part in partnership with our registrar's office. And there's been a whole host of new advisors that have been participating in that. So the lessons from the research we learned that, hey, we can actually do a randomized control trial in, a, in an ethical way that really made sense for students and our staff. Our staff learned a lot about how to uh, do this kind of work. And now we've put it into practice a few years later to try to make a difference for everybody. So we're excited to see how that plays out. I think we've had over 1,300 students this summer um, at this point in time, mid-August, late August, uh, register for these uh, for these group advising sessions. So we're pretty excited about that. That's kind of surprising, isn't it? Were you surprised by the results that the group advising would be more effective than one-on-one? 
I, I think, so yes, I was surprised. Um, I think any advisor would say that, and those that practice developmental advising would say, I think I can have a greater impact when I sit down and have a conversation with a student. One-on-one. One-on-one. And, and I think that's valid and true in, in many circumstances. So in the context of this, this was before students even started. And so we can't separate the outreach from the advising itself. It's looked at one piece in our, in our analysis and that research. So that's important for, for practitioners to think about is that this intrusive, this proactive advising approach, it's the outreach and the advising together that we're evaluating. That's what made a difference. Um, so we've hypothesized as to what really made the difference or why this has happened with group. And we haven't been able to tease that out yet. We need to do some more research on that. Um, so we're putting more efforts into collecting qualitative feedback. We'll probably do some focus groups with students afterwards to understand their experience in group advising. Um, but our hypothesis is really around some of the first activities. And so in that advising agenda, the way it started was with basic interactions. And these are very small groups. I'm talking between two and five, potentially on average, okay. small group. Um, and we asked students, we have an agenda that we're going to go through and we're going to talk through all of these resources. But what is the one question you want answered today? And we asked each student to go around mm-hmm. and answer that question. We collected that and we used that as the agenda for group advising in lieu of the actual agenda we put in place. Now, the actual agenda we put in place might have answered all of those questions anyways. And so the advisor says, great, I can answer all of those with my normal agenda. So we're going to make sure we have those answered before you leave today. And I think there's something about that process of a student disclosing their big question and then hearing from other students their big question and realizing, huh, this question is similar, or somebody had a bigger question than mine, and they've learned something about each other in that place, and maybe there's something around belonging, or maybe it's a social norms kind of thing, and realizing that um, that this isn't so scary, and, and that I'm not different, and I'm normal, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Gives them a voice. Totally. So that's my hypothesis, but we haven't, we haven't tested that. But anyway, are there any other changes that you've made uh, that have resulted from the research that you've done other than putting in place the group advising and the proactive advising this this coming term? Well, you know, some of these are are not all that flashy of changes. But, you know, when we've before we started doing research that was funded and supported by HECO, which we're greatly appreciative of. We, we worked with uh, Dr. Ross Finney at the University of Ottawa and the Education Policy Research Initiative, his, his lab, um, to, to do some, some deep dives into our data at Mohawk. So we started that back in 2012, and, and we commissioned, I forget if it's six or seven internal reports from him. So we learned a lot about our data in that process and about retention and our retention rates and, and started the development of the predictive model that we then just recently published about. Um, so that was a lot, and we had to get our data organized. We, we had to build partnerships with institutional research. Um, we also put in a new software tool for our advisors. We can't do this research without collecting information and, and doing our case notes and having all advisors doing that. So actually, a lot of the work that we were doing is this foundational piece about, about data, about training, about relationship building, um, 
And so what we've learned and what we've continued to work on is how do we continue to enhance that? Because as we do that, we're poised to, I think, have a stronger culture of student success at the college, um, which will have huge effects for students in the long run. Mm -hmm. So was there one thing... That one change that you've made that has stood out above the rest that you, you know, well, so has been a more of an incremental. I, so I'll avoid answering that question directly because <laughs> um, there is no silver bullet to student success. There, there's no one thing that you can do um, that's going to make a difference. Um, I think we've done a lot of things. We've done a lot of things with our data. We've done a lot of things with relationships. We've collaborated broadly, and we're continuing to collaborate even more in the future, which is exciting, with people like Ross Finney. Uh, we've collaborated across the institution. Um, myself and my team and colleagues, we've, we've had the freedom to work closely uh, outside of traditional silos that may exist at some institutions. I am proud to say that there aren't many silos here. We work really well across academic and corporate and administrative services. So, you know, that makes a big difference. And, and that's a lesson. If, if there's anything that people want to think about, um, it's about building those relationships. And that's what sustains future research projects if you need to do them. Um, and it's also about having really good data. So if you need a software system, um, you need to make sure that you, you know your data. So I think the one question people would have is, what's happened to your retention rates? Too soon to tell? Well, retention, I can say our grad rates as a college oh, over the last few years have gone from, I think we were around 60 to about 65%. So, you know, that, that outcome metric, we've done a really good job. And, um, I would say compared to... Um, some others are comparators that we like to look at. You know, we're, we're consistently growing and improving. Uh, not huge amounts, but certainly uh, noticeable. So we've done some great work that way. Um, and what further avenues of research would you like to explore in the future? Um, we've got a number of projects. Uh, I think I could count five that we're not ready to announce yet, but... Um, Five that are um, in various stages of proposal and funding requests and funding approvals that we're really excited about. Um, we're, we're excited about our strategic mandate agreement when that comes out and, and that's shared. And I think, I think what people will see is that Mohawk um, has always been committed to student success and has a culture of student success and, and that they're going to see a continued culture of that and I'd like to say that we're doubling down on, on student success and, and researching it. So things in the hopper include, you know, we're studying probation letters, um, we're studying social belonging, we're studying goal setting, we're studying academic advising, um, and we're doing all of that work um, right now. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have more to share in, in the future. Do you have any advice for other post-secondary institutions? Um, build the culture. I think you have to build the culture and have the foundation set up. Um, and so that's one piece. Uh, and that's really helpful. I would also say don't hesitate to start small and find one small program evaluation or research project and try and figure it out. Um, that's really important. Um 
and then I would say to my student affairs professionals, because that's that's where my professional identity lies, there's some really, really great work that's done. And I think student affairs folks do a good job of building relationships and partnerships. But I think we need to think about our, our methods and our methodology and our data um, in a more rigorous way. Um, how college affects students is a volume of of research that came out recently that I think has some really wise words for student affairs professionals to think about. And what we need to know, and the greatest recommendation that came out of out of that systematic review is that no one student affairs program or service is likely to have the impact that we hope. Um, it's really, it's the combination of those programs. It's comprehensive programs and services that are packaged together to support students in a holistic way that's going to make a di- big difference. So I'm hoping my student affairs professionals are going to do more of that work. All of the pieces that we've been working on at Mohawk are now those pieces that could be packaged together for students in a comprehensive way to support them. So yes, we did proactive advising, but we can't stop there. Maybe we need to do stuff around belonging we might need to do stuff around goal setting and put them all together and put them in front of students to to really make a a bigger difference to their outcomes. Thanks very much, Tim. Thank you. This has been fun. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Mohawk's work on student retention, please visit HECO's website and click on Latest Research Publications. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or visit our SoundCloud page.